So why does CCK exist? Why are we here? What's our purpose? What's our reason? What's our vision? Now, our vision isn't to have a nice church. You know, sometimes you, you, churches become almost fixated on themselves and being nice and having nice activities and uh, nice things going on. So that's not our fundamental vision, is to be a nice church. You know, sometimes people say, oh, that church is a nice church. Nor is our vision to be a Sunday club. We're not a club. We're not a club that provides a spiritual service for a few people. That's not why we're on earth. That's not our purpose. So what are we and what's your part in it is really what I'm looking at. CCK must be a family. Right at the heart of it is we must be a family. The goal of the church isn't to build a crowd. Sometimes churches have visions to have a, a numerical target. The goal and the purpose of us is not to have a goal of becoming a certain number in the church. And sometimes churches can feel we're doing a good job because we have a certain number of people coming on a Sunday. The goal isn't actually even to be a bunch of friends. That's not the goal. But it must be a family. A family who have a common king, a common vision, who will lay down their lives for one another. A family not just for its own sake. And I, I do fear that in the Western church, the church ends up existing only for its own sake. But actually we exist for the sake of the world. We're on this planet, we're in this church, fundamentally for the sake of the world. We're here to be a people who encourage one another, who fortify and strengthen one another, in order that each person might in their life live for the more of the kingdom of God. Our vision is to be a congregation, a people, a family who are alive in the Holy Spirit. Leading to loving one another, serving one another, benefiting one another, even for societal transformation. A people, you and me, invited into the king's work. Sometimes local churches have visions that do not transcend the life of a leader. Believe that the kingdom goals transcend generations. My time, your time, the time of the ones to come. Transcend time. Not just a moment in time to be a church for 20, 30 years, but a church that's believing for eternal ramifications. A church that looks like an oak tree, that's grown and touched the community over time. A vision to be a people who live and see the bigger picture of what Jesus Christ has established through his life, his death and his resurrection 
his glorification and the coming of the Spirit and the promise of a second coming and a new heaven and a new earth. The church exists for the mission of Jesus Christ in the world. And so when we give our finances, we're not giving to, as it were, a club that needs certain subs to do what it does. We're giving into the global, universal purposes of Jesus that are huge, cosmic, enormous. The kingdom of God is why we exist. The church ultimately exists for the sake of the world. We exist for SEA team. We exist for Abbey Wood. We exist for Belvedere. We exist for Welling. We're here for the sake of the world. And in it, somehow, by putting that first, we find our needs met as we find a family that we belong to, that we find friends, that we find purpose, and that we find meaning as we give ourselves to the huge purposes of the Lord Jesus Christ in the earth. Our assignment is to bring heaven's culture, culture is the natural way things are and operate, to earth. And I'm going to read a few verses before we unpack some more. So one of them is Matthew 6 and verse 10. Matthew 6 and verse 10. You know it, the prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He rules in heaven. Let that rule come to earth. That's an apostolic, as we'll come to understand in a moment, a people who are sent with purpose. Your kingdom come on the bus. Your kingdom come in my family. Your kingdom come in my workplace. Your kingdom come where I go. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come everywhere I go. That's why we're on earth. Matthew 28. Matthew 28. We know it. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, said Jesus. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me, so you go and get on with the job. We have to understand something really important. That when... Adam and Eve were in the garden. They had a kingdom mandate from the king. Extend Eden, cultivate Eden, and subdue the earth. It was a kingdom calling on Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve disobeyed, rebelled, went against God, and did what they were not meant to do. They got the knowledge of good and evil. It changed it changed the fundamental fabric of the universe. Another king usurped the king of the universe. That was really clear. Satan seduced them, tricked them, lied to them, tempted them, and they sinned. And so another king comes in, 
And then the Bible unfolds, the law. Can we get right with God through rules and regulations? No, we can't. It can't change our heart. Jeremiah was clear, we've got a heart of stone. We need a heart of flesh pointing to new creation. The prophets were pointing, Isaiah 40 to Isaiah 55, pointing to the suffering servant who would come. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he sent his son. And when the tempter came to Jesus and said, I can give you all the kingdoms of the earth. Do you know why he could say that? Because he had all the kingdoms of the earth in his hands. Because Adam and Eve had given him the kingdoms of the earth. Yeah. He, right, he was right when he said he could give it to Jesus if he would avoid the cross. Because he ruled. And so Jesus comes, the God-man, full of the Spirit, fully God, fully man. He's on a mission. Not just a mission that men and women might be forgiven of their sins, but a mission to conquest the usurping king who had taken over planet Earth. So at the cross, something really significant is happening. More than just we getting forgiveness, more than just getting free of guilt and shame, more than just a gospel of salvation that one day we get to heaven, so a king was overthrown by the true king of the universe. Yeah. That's what happened at the cross. Colossians is really clear. He paraded the conquered one through the streets. See, that's what they used to do when they invaded another place and took over the king. This is pretty brutal. They would gouge out their eyes of the old king and they would parade them through the streets of the city shackled and bound. And, and, and Jesus is clearly the conquering Christos victor parading Satan through the streets of, as it were, the cosmic reality through the cross. He's defeated. And then, Wonderfully, on the third day, Jesus rises again. Not resurrection as in he was dead and now he's been resuscitated. That's what happened to Lazarus. Lazarus was dead and then he got revived and resurrected in the sense his old body came back to life. But Lazarus was going to die again because it wasn't new creation, new birth. Jesus rises from the dead. Why is that significant? It's because he's the firstborn among the dead. So it means that the, the age to come, new creation, has broken into human reality. The firstborn among the dead. The, the reality of new creation has come. Where does the story end? It ends with new creation, heaven comes to earth. God has his dwelling among men and women in resurrected bodies. That's where it's going. So when Jesus says, all authority has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples, it echoes what God said to Adam and Eve in Eden. Mm. Subdue the earth. It's, a, it's an echoing of the original kingdom mandate upon human beings. Yeah. It's a restoration of the original dignity that was given to men and women to go and subdue earth. So it's a significant moment when Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Now go and 
make disciples, bring them under the rule of the king. Show people by your life what it looks like to have a king like Jesus. Yeah. And Jesus says in John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, sent me, even so I send you. He sends the church into the world. In other words, to be and do for the world, not for itself. So why does CCK exist? It's to be a family of brothers and sisters who are being trained and equipped to be sent ones to extend the kingdom and the rule of the Lord Jesus Christ wherever we go. Who is the very first apostle mentioned in the Bible? It's Jesus. Mm. And you, apostle is a bit caught up now in religious terms. Apostle in the church means pretty much the governor of everything. But in the Bible times, the apostle was the person who led the Roman troops to a place. So you would send an apostle to Philippi in a Roman colony to make Philippi like Rome. Roman rules, Roman customs, Roman culture, Roman sport, Roman life. The apostle was sent. Jesus is the great apostle of our faith. God so loved the world, he sent, he sent Jesus as an apostle to make earth like heaven. And we see that. We see Jesus doing this all the time. When Jesus preached the kingdom of God, he didn't just talk about it, he did it by healing the sick, reaching the outcasts, and setting the captives free. It was the rule of God coming to sickness. It was the rule of God coming and saying, the culture of heaven has no blind. I'm bringing the culture of heaven to the blind. The culture of heaven has no captives or prisons. I'm bringing the culture of heaven to the sick. So we can look at a couple of verses. Luke 9, 11. Luke chapter 9 and verse 11. And he spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured, healed those who need of healing. He spoke about the kingdom and then he demonstrated the rule of the king. Luke 4, 18. Luke 4, verse 18. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to, 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 to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down and, and, and said, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. It was a kingdom mandate. So he went about Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every infirmity among the people. So you can see that in Matthew 4, 23. 
and Matthew 9, 35. And he says this in Matthew 24, 14. Matthew 24, 14. And the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to the nations and then the end will come. Sometimes people feel as Christians they've got a second class calling and a second class anointing because they don't work for the church. And sometimes people can walk around their life feeling actually I'm disempowered, I'm disregarded, I'm devalued and ignored because what I do for 99% of my life is not go to Christian, uh, not go to meetings. I go to look after my children or I go to work or I make things or I look after people. And sometimes the church says, what are the ministries of the church? And we list our ministries and they're things that the church does as a program. So for fun, tell me what you do all week. Shout out your jobs and then we can see those as the ministry of the church. <laughs> what do you do all week? I know you're not here. <laughs> Teaching, assistant. Teaching assistant. Teaching assistant. The kingdom has come to that school. The rule of Jesus has come to that place. Other people, what do you do? Nursing, the medical profession, the wonderful mix of the sciences with faith. You, you carry the presence of God, even though so often you can't say anything to people. People can get healed yes. just because you're glorious and you carry glory. And they may even not know why they've got better, but they got better because you were around. The kingdom has come. Fundraising assistant. Is that with a charity? The kingdom is for justice. The kingdom is about justice to men and women, raising funds so that we can do a good work. We're a busy church. Other people, what do you do? Drink tea. <laughs> and drink tea. <laughs> And go up. So actually, Ian, you, you've, got, you've gone right to that original calling, cultivating the earth. Come on. Yes. Making beautiful spaces, an environment that people can enjoy and look at and think, oh, I like the park and I like the green in a city. What a lot of green spaces we have here. There's a lot to do. Helping local businesses. Yes. Helping local businesses. Really great. Transforming homes, Rob. I work in a factory. You work in a factory, what? and you and your factory makes fire science. Fire science. Yeah. <laughs> is the kingdom in the, who you are, and you demonstrate, but it's also the kingdom in what is made. Teachers, doctors, nurses, engineers, plumbers, bookkeepers. Serving hearts. Serving hearts. 
So life isn't like this bit is spiritual, the bit when you come to church and then the rest of life is not spiritual. Whole of life is, is spiritual. And so we want testimonies that celebrate how people bring the kingdom of God in everyday life. Mm. Bringing the practical of ruling of Jesus Christ in everything we do. Sometimes we can say it because we have permission. Sometimes we have no permission to use any words. But that's what we must believe, that we are glorious. And wherever we go, we can, as it were, leak the reality and the glory of God wherever we go. And the sick can be healed and life can come, and peace can come, and joy can come, and hope can come, just because of who we are, and the kingdom that we represent. You see, if we only have a church-based definition of glory, or the presence of God, we'll only ever expect God, or the presence of God, in meetings. Mm. And since we only come to a meeting, I don't know what the percentage is, one or two percent of the whole week, it means there's not a lot of glory <laughs> and presence of God. And, and most people won't come to a meeting, but you go into hospitals, you go into schools, you go into factories, you go into social services, you go into the arts, you, you go into business, you go into graphic design, you go into different spheres, you look after your children, you, single moms, you look after your children all week, you bring the kingdom of God. But when we expect to encounter God wherever we go, or his glory, his glory is a funny word, it means his weight. I think it's the Hebrew word Shabbat, it's, it's the weight of God. You know, the, the, the heaviness, as it were, of God. We, 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 we can encounter him in lots of places. When we expect to encounter God in the workplace and in daily life, suddenly we can expect to encounter God and his voice and his presence in unexpected places. It can be in the lives of the people that we meet. It can be in the everyday. We can meet God in scientific discovery and practices. We can meet God in work and passions and relationships and inventions and in restaurants and in theatres and in cinemas and in mm. sports fields and in hospitals. We can extend his kingdom. We can embrace that mandate that was upon Adam and Eve that Jesus then gives to us in Matthew 28. All authority has been given. Therefore, go. So the vision then of CCK requires empowered people. So if our vision then is to, is to be the, the church it's for the world and for the expansion of the kingdom... The way that happens is through an empowered people, a people who believe who God says they are, a people who understand how to walk full of the Holy Spirit and understand that it's not striving, it's the simplicity of simply abiding and being with him. Amen. Out of the Holy Spirit revelation of who we really are and out of the enjoyment of intimacy with him, great exploits begin to flow even not great exploits, just everyday common things that aren't that common in the world where there's hopelessness and anxiety and fear and mistrust. Those things begin to flow in our workplaces. We begin to flavour everywhere we go with the reality of the kingdom. It's about you and it's about me walking in our God-given 
inheritance, fulfilling the great commission and bringing the good news of the kingdom. It's understanding that actually we're an offensive people. I don't mean we cause offence, but you know when it says in a like sport, that don't be defensive, be offensive, move forward. We're a people who more move forward, a people who believe that where we go, we can take territory and we can love and serve people. We begin by believing who God is. We begin by believing the gospel of the kingdom. We begin by believing who he is in us and who we are in our circumstances. So the church is not given to you and me as a safety bunker. <laughs> and I think sometimes we think of that, we think that there's the evil world and the dark world, and then we're in the safety bunker when we're in the church, and then we can't wait maybe until the next meeting. Actually, we're an offensive people. We're a dangerous people. We threaten the kingdom of darkness when we understand who we are because we're a people who are bringing the kingdom of God. We're recognizing that the king has conquered the ruler of this age and the, you, the king is, that was here has been taken and replaced by, the king, by king Jesus. And so our life isn't to run and escape from the world, but to be a community which God then can shine out his light into the world, to be a city on a hill that shines out. And we'll look at this in two weeks' time, but that means that CCK isn't fundamentally about the named leaders. It's about a community of people. It's what 1 Peter 2.5 says, the priesthood of all believers. That he wants all of us to be involved in his great work. Let me just read this out to you that I wrote yesterday. To walk in this, you first need to know that God believes in you. He believes in what is established through Christ. He believes in you because you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You've got a new heart. You don't have a wicked heart. You've got a new heart, a heart of flesh that wants to please God. You do know that Jeremiah is not talking about you anymore. <laughs> when he says you've got, you've got a wicked heart. No, you haven't. You're a saint, not a sinner. You're prone to do what's right. <laughs> okay. If you've got a leaning and a bias in Christ, that leaning is towards doing what's right. He believes in you. Not that we always get everything right, <laughs> because the Bible makes it clear that we can confess our sins and he forgives us. But we mustn't believe that our fundamental being is bad or evil. We have to understand that our nine to five life, our daily life, our family life is more significant than we realize. You are here now, born in this time now, living in this city now, by the express purpose of God. Even the most mundane things of daily life can be imbued with significance and power because you're a chosen people on earth for a purpose to extend the rule of God. You're more significant than you realize. Maybe people don't think you're very significant. Maybe you don't do a very significant job and people look down at you. Maybe some of you have had to take jobs that are way, well beyond, be below your qualification and well beyond, below your ability and you've had to accept. But, but it's not that God doesn't want to elevate you and promote you and, and find pathways into the, the career that you you, you, you're called and you want to do it's just that we have to see that everything is really significant because of who we are we're sons and daughters of the king we're a royal priesthood we're kings and queens 
We're princes and princesses. We have an inheritance in Jesus. We are really significant. And dare I say, we are the most significant people on planet Earth right now. We are the the hope bringers to the whole of life. And so the kingdom is not something we do for God. We don't go around here saying, right, I'm going to rah-rah, I'm going to do better. But the kingdom is something he first establishes in us through the new creation, through abiding and walking and resting and trusting and intimacy. And then he does it through us. We need to believe that we have a prophetic assignment and a prophetic assessment from God to lean into relationship, intimacy and abiding, to be attentive to his voice, We're not gritting our teeth trying to make every moment significant. We're not trying to be unnatural. We're we're leaning into his love and his care. And he'll speak and he'll say and he'll prompt and he'll remind you and he'll bring a verse to life and he'll make you, your attention will be brought to someone and you'll feel compassion. Or suddenly the Holy Spirit will give you faith in God for a situation. This isn't a heavy thing. But we just hear his voice and then we're obedient. We hear his voice and then we're obedient. We're walking with the Father and we're obedient to his invitations. And then we watch and marvel. We watch and marvel what God does, what he does. I heard recently of a doctor who was in Sainsbury's supermarket and she was in the queue and the woman behind her was talking on the phone quite anxiously. And after they paid for the shopping, the, the, the lady said... Um, I just overheard you speaking. It just sounds there's a lot going on. Can I pray with you? And the lady said that her sister was on, on, on almost de- dying. She'd gone away to Greece and suddenly she'd fallen really, really sick. And the lady said, I'd love to pray for you. I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. I do believe Jesus can do something in this situation. And prayed for her and they just went their ways. Later, that doctor is in her surgery and someone comes in and the the lady says, "Um, I've just been really, really anxious because my sister felt really ill when she was on holiday in Greece. But she suddenly got better. And it turned out the lady who came into the surgery was a family member of the lady in Sainsbury's. It was a moment where she got an insight into the rule of Jesus over sickness as it is in heaven, let it be on earth, coming into a hospital in Greece, bringing health and life and vitality to that woman. And she got to hear, maybe she, many of us don't always get to hear, do we? Of a simple thing of compassionate prayer in a supermarket. We can, what's that all about? Sometimes we get to hear, sometimes we don't. Sometimes they came back to Jesus and said, I'm healed. Sometimes they didn't. The lepers, they didn't all come back, did they? You got to hear about one, but they were others. We got healed too. And so we just rest and relax and do what we're prompted to do. He will take your everyday, ordinary work, your routines and your rhythms, the things you love to do, and he'll fill it with extraordinary opportunities and fruit that comes out of the simplicity of resting and abiding. So Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the conquering king of the whole universe. 
We thank you for the way that this is a gospel that's more than forgiveness. It's new creation. We thank you for the hope that we have that of new heaven and new earth and being with you forever and ever and ever. And Lord Jesus, I pray by your spirit you would just grip us with a sense of our purpose and our dignity and our calling to be agents of the kingdom, to be ministers of reconciliation, to be those who bring the good news of the kingdom wherever we go. God, grip us with our identity. Grip us with our inheritance. Grip us with who we are because of who you are in us. And God, multiply testimonies to us in the name of Jesus. Our ordinary life being invaded by the kingdom of God. As we simply pray, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Dear friends, you and I, we are an apostolic people. We are sent ones. Wherever we go, we are sent by God to make wherever we go more like heaven than it was before. You have so much dignity and so much calling and so much significance and meaning. You're not forgotten. You're not despised. You're magnificent and glorious. And wherever you go, may the rule of the Lord Jesus Christ come in you and then through you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.